these two brief passages uh, help get at the biblical idea of faith. We're gonna, let's read them now. Uh, listen to John 17, 3. This is God's holy and infallible word. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then the Hebrews, this is the introduction to uh, a great chapter on faith. We often talk about it as the heroes of faith. Now, faith is what? It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then this summary of what is true faith, question answer 21, it takes from those two scripture passages, but also if you looked at question answer 21 here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, about 18 or 19 other scripture passages are are packed into this uh, wonderful answer that's going to be our guide this morning. I'm going to read what is true faith, and then I'd like all of you, please, to read the answer together with me. What is true faith? True faith is not only a knowledge and conviction that everything God reveals in his word is true. It is also a deep-rooted assurance created in me by the Holy Spirit through the gospel that out of sheer grace, earned for us by Christ, not only others, but I too, have had my sins forgiven, have been made forever right with God, and have been granted salvation. That's a summary for us of what the Bible says faith is all about. Brothers and sisters, people of God, back in the, the early days of the West in our nation, uh, when a traveler once came to the Mississippi River, he discovered there was no bridge at that time and where he was. Fortunately, it was winter, and this great river was sheeted with ice, sheeted over with ice. But uh, this traveler was quite afraid to trust himself to it, really not knowing how thick the ice was. So finally, he agonized a bit, but then with, he had to get to the other side. Finally, with extreme caution, he crept on his hands and knees, slowly, gingerly, carefully. And he managed to get halfway across, and then he heard something behind him. It was, it was getting dark. He wasn't sure. What was that? He listened a little more. Sure enough, it was singing. Very cautiously and gingerly still, he, he turned around, and out of the dusk came another traveler driving a four-horse load of coal over the ice, singing as he went. Now, why is it that some Christians seem to have a great and strong and exuberant faith singing as they go through life, and others seem to show just the tiniest traces of faith and seem to be crawling on their hands and knees through life? Why in the same person can it be that that one day your faith is strong and sturdy 
And you're like, God, send anything at me. I can take it. And the very next day, your, your faith feels as weak as a little fading, dry blade of grass. The goal of this sermon is that we would be built up in our faith as we learn more about what Scripture tells us about true faith as we see it in this summary of Scripture. Our goal is that we would be less people that crawl in faith and more people who are bold in faith. Today, I believe, and I I think you'd agree with me, to be a person of faith seems harder than ever before. It seems very difficult in our day. We're called bigots. We're called intolerant. It's like we're constantly being made out to be the bad guys in society today. And we're just, we're just trying to be people of faith, aren't we? We're just trying to live like Jesus calls us to. So in our generation, today especially, we need to be grounded in our faith all the time. Especially today in our focus this morning, we need to be grounded in our faith to know what we believe so that our faith doesn't get watered down, so it doesn't get weakened and scattered as we try to navigate living in this world with, with people who, who seem to misunderstand our faith, alongside of people who have differing faiths or no faith at all. This lesson, what it does is it brings us back to what the biblical faith is all about. You might wonder, remember I mentioned last week this catechism, which it's, it's, a, it's a Bible study series. How can I be talking about faith today, us today in our society, and then be drawing from a confession, a catechism, that's like 450 years old? It comes to us from the time of the Reformation. You might, you might even have a pre, an appreciation for the catechism, but you might think, now those catechism writers, they were smart dudes. Actually, did I tell you last week there was two 20-somethings that wrote this stuff, which seems, when I was 20-something, that didn't seem very old, but now as I'm older than 20-something, I'm like, wow. But they might have been smart dudes, but there's no way that they could have imagined way back then, what our lives were going to be like today in North America in 2012. But the truth of the matter is that certain streams of thinking that we see today, they were being planted already then at the time of the Reformation and what we call the Renaissance and the Enlightenment right on the heels There's not much going on today that wasn't starting already then. And the authors of this catechism, they knew the Bible very well, but also, like all good theologians, they were also very aware of their times, and they were aware of where things were heading. So when they talk about the faith that we're going to explore They're not only describing what the faith is according to God's word, 
But in this definition, in this explanation, they are excluding non-Christian faiths. They are excluding other worldviews. They're excluding some of the types of thinking and worldviews that we see around us today. The true faith, in many ways, opposes what we call today postmodernism. And that's the word that we often use. That's like the overarching word that people talk about to talk about how people are thinking today in our culture, postmodernism. But the seeds were planted that long ago, the seeds that are coming to fruition today. Um, it often opposes God's word, and that's why we're finding ourselves butting heads increasingly with the world's thinking. That's why our faith is challenged so much, because the seeds that were planted back the time this was written are coming to full bloom today. Today we're going to see five basic elements of true faith. And at the same time, we're going to see how each one of those speaks against certain ways of thinking. And I think you'll recognize them as we go through them. Certain ways of thinking that I think explain uh, the stuff that we hear, explain some of the attacks. And when we're finished this morning, I want us all to be better equipped to be people of faith in our lives, and especially this week to come, okay? That's our goal. What's true faith? Compared to false faith, compared to other faiths, what is true faith? One, faith is knowledge. The true faith is knowledge. It's not only knowledge, but it certainly includes knowledge. Another way of putting this is that the faith has content. We must understand and know something about God and the gospel, what God reveals in his word, the truth of that, as the catechism says. We're not saved by sort of a general foggy idea of Jesus. We're not saved by a feeling about Jesus. John 3.18, whoever believes, it says, so whoever believes, it means we're talking about faith. Whoever believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It's not just enough to be a people of faith. It's not enough in life to have faith. We have to have faith in something. We have to have faith in someone, and that person is Jesus and it's not just an idea of Jesus, but it's Jesus as the Bible reveals him, who he is according to God's word. We talked about that last week just a bit, the very first confession of the church, Jesus is Lord. And that means something that has content to it. The content is especially, it's what we have in God's word, of course, and it's especially what we have in the Apostles' Creed. And that's what this catechism goes on to explain in the many following lessons. So we might say the minimum content of the true faith, we're saying it's got to be something, in something, right? In someone. We might say the minimum content for you to know to have a true faith is what we find in the Apostles' Creed. All of that is in contrast to a prevailing worldview today that's called agnosticism. Agnosticism. 
An agnostic says he's not so sure about stuff, especially in the spiritual realm. Not really sure whether there is a God, say a lot of people. And that view of not knowing can even seep into Christians and churches so that there's a downplay of what we're talking about, a downplay of knowledge, a downplay or a minimizing of content of the faith, saying it isn't so important. But that's a postmodern worldview. It's wrong. Faith does include knowledge, a deep and growing knowledge of Christ. A contentless faith, faith without content, or a faith without the right content will lead to utter disaster. In April, a couple decades ago, the evening news reported on a photographer who was a skydiver. He was skydiving, and he had jumped from a plane along with a bunch of other skydivers, and what he was doing was filming the group as they fell and as they opened their parachutes. On the film, in the news video, it showed as the final diver opened his suit, then all of a sudden, the picture went all goofy, went all berserk. And the announcer reported that the cameraman had fallen to his death. He had jumped out of the plane without his parachute. Tragic. It wasn't until he reached for that ripcord that wasn't there that he realized he was free-falling without a parachute. Until that point, the jump was, I'm sure, exciting and fun, but tragically, he had acted with haste up there and foolishness that turned out to be deadly. Nothing could save him then because his faith was in a parachute that wasn't even buckled on. People think that they can live a life with a general faith and just believe. That doesn't even make sense. Faith must be in someone. It's got to be in something. It has to have content. And that's Jesus and all that the Bible says about him. So that knowledge, that knowledge must be buckled on us in life. We must know it and own it and be convicted of it and take it with us to avoid tragedy. Second today, faith is certainty. Faith is certainty. We read that it's not only a knowledge and conviction, everything God reveals in his word is true, it's also a deep-rooted assurance. It's certainty, assurance. There seems to be a trend today that doubting and wondering is cool, it's normal. But doubt is not the goal of true faith. Embracing doubt with our faith, that's a seeping in of what we call relativism. Relativism is a prominent piece of the postmodern worldview. It means we can never really be sure about anything. You have your way, I have mine. Who knows which is right? We can probably never know for sure. But that is not true faith. Christians can experience times of doubt. 
But constant wondering and wandering is not the goal of real faith. True faith gives you something sure that you can base your life on. Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The fact is that when you have the true faith, you can have a deep-rooted assurance in your life. In the midst of trial, even in the midst of competing faiths and different faiths around us, Third, faith is of God. Faith is of God. The catechism says it is created in me by the Holy Spirit through the gospel. It's created in me. So that means faith is not my doing. A great pastor, Gresham Machen, once wrote, the New Testament never says that a man is saved on account of his faith, but always that we're saved through faith or by means of faith. Faith is merely the means which the Holy Spirit uses to apply to the individual soul the benefits of Christ. Salvation is a gift of God. We all know that. But so is faith to grasp his salvation. Did you know that? True faith is given to us. It is of God. That flies in the face of secular humanism. Secular humanism is the worldview that says men and women accomplish things basically apart from divine help through their own reason, through their own skills. Humans can accomplish anything. And this can seep into Christian thinking when we start to think that we have something to do with our salvation. Sure, it's God's grace, but I have to do something to be saved, right? No, that's not quite right. Depends how you say it. Salvation is 100% of God. Even the faith that we have to accept Christ and the faith that we reach out to God with is given to us by God. We're given true faith. It's a gift. In our home, we've been amazed at the Olympics, really watching it a lot of the time whenever we can. And we've been especially watching little Gabby Douglas. It's been a few days since her events are over. Gabby Douglas is pretty amazing, huh? Did you know that if you rearrange the letters of her last name, Douglas, you get USA gold. That's pretty cool, huh? Even more wonderful is her faith in God and how open she is about it. There's, that, there's a little YouTube video of her standing and she said stuff after her medals. But also, if you go online and search her, there's her with a mic in front of her home church before going to the Olympics. And I think it's her pastor questioning her a little bit. It's amazing. She's so open about it. Um, she's been very open about thanking and praising God. She understands that the purpose of our lives is to give God glory. And she's not the only athlete that has mentioned that in interviews after their medals. Like, it's been very amazing. And all of that, what I heard Gabby say and, and some of these other athletes, 
that is all evidence of a true faith. Why? Because they are pointing to God. They are recognizing that their salvation, as well as any achievements that they might accomplish in this life, are because of Him. It's evidence of true faith, because faith is of God. Fourth, faith is humble. Faith is created in me, and it goes on. And then in there is out of sheer grace. Out of sheer grace. Faith is not arrogant. There is no boasting except in the Lord. Sometimes the way we can act as believers, sometimes the way the church is portrayed, whether or not it's acting that way, there's an arrogance that comes across. But real faith is humble. It's only by sheer grace that we have faith at all. And that flies in the face of the arrogance that we often see in what we can call scientific materialism. This worldview, scientific materialism, says that we either have all the answers as humans or we will find them. We can discover it all. We can solve anything if we just have the time. Everything is contained in a visible, tangible world and through experimentation, observation, humans will figure it out. That's arrogance. And that's why we need Christians in science Science without proper humility before the face of God, before the Creator, will result in arrogance. Let's be sure not to take the arrogance we can see around us in worldviews like scientific materialism. We must not apply that to what we believe. Faith is humble. And that humility has implications on how we share the faith. It has implications in how we interact in society. It doesn't mean Christians have to be mousy or shy or unsure. It doesn't mean we cannot have convictions, but it means we are not arrogant about the faith. What we have is by the grace of God alone, sheer grace. Faith is humble, and people of faith are humble people. Finally, fifth, faith is personal. Not only others, but I too. And this is, this is very, very beautiful. I too. True faith is not just something out there. True faith is not just something that my grandparents have. True faith is not just something my parents have. True faith is not just something a a church leader like a pastor has or like a deacon who prays every Sunday before the offerings. True faith is something to have in your heart. That faith is personal is very different from saying faith is individualistic. And individualism is a very prevalent way of approaching life today in our culture. Individualism is a me-centered outlook on our lives and on the world. 
Individualism is saying the world centers around me and mine. Individualism says it's about what I've accomplished on my own without anyone's help. Individualists talk about pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps in life. And that way of thinking is very anti-biblical. It doesn't recognize others in our life and their influence and blessing. And individualism applied to the faith can make people think that they can have faith without the church. Individualism can make you think you can have faith without others. It's just just me and God. But that's impossible in individualistic faith. It's impossible. It won't work. It won't last. The faith is not individualistic, but it is personal. John Calvin said, faith is not a distant view of Jesus but it's a warm embrace of Christ. Faith is not a distant view, but a warm embrace of Jesus Christ. We sing worship songs like me and my because the Psalms are filled with personal language because the true biblical faith is personal. Not only others, But I, too, have had my sins forgiven, have been made forever right with God. I, too, have been granted salvation. True faith is not that Jesus died on the cross for sinners, generally speaking. It's that Jesus died for me. True faith is not that God is love. True faith is that God loves me, a sinner. God sent his son to live and die in my place. I am forgiven. I have things right with God, and he's my father. I will live with him forever. True faith is personal, friends. It's for you today, now. True faith is knowledge. Be growing in your knowledge of the faith. Plumb the depths of God's word. Faith is certainty. As you walk through life, may your assurance grow greater. Faith is of God. Give him all the glory. Faith is humble. Keep that in mind in your interactions with those of different faith or those with little faith on the street, in the store, at work, on Facebook. Faith is personal. Claim this faith for your own. Boys and girls, teenagers, some young adults, you might be here this morning with your parents, and that's good. But be sure that their faith is your faith. Are you sure of that? Do you know Jesus personally? Ask him into your heart. And may each one of us be cultivating a close, intimate, warm, personal walk with our Savior. This faith, the biblical faith, it's 
the only faith that is true and that works. And it's what we need in our lives today.